Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we were offering five conversations from Season 3, Episode 46, our review of the recent Annapolis Summit, plus, from the vault, a section from December 2021 looking at the relationship between weight loss related to bariatric surgery and liver fibrosis and how that might compare to the results we will get from drugs and development. This conversation continues the discussion of opening impressions that we started in Conversation 1. Mazanuruddin points out that meetings like this one and Nashtag have the potential to dive deeper into key issues and commence the organizers for their agenda and approach. He then goes on to mention the issue of glycemic control and the impact of glycemic control on Nash drug performance. This leads briefly into a point about the value of simply stopping progression of fibrosis instead of the need to improve progression by reducing fibrosis one level. Mossen then identifies two sessions he considered particularly valuable, the Saturday morning autopsy of failed phase three drug trials and therapeutic discussion about drugs at different stages in development. From here, he goes on, going into a discussion of optimism we can derive from the recent Acaro and Altimune results. In terms of Altimune, a triple agonist that drives exceptional weight loss, he asks whether the drug should go directly from phase 1B to phase 3. In general, the group believes that phases 2A and 2B have value here. While I describe this discussion in terms of points that Mazin is making, there is conversation along the way with Sven Frank, Hannes Hafström, and I all making comments that amplify on this discussion. For the second straight week, it has been our pleasure and honor to cover a major medical meeting with significant science and policy issues attached. Also, this conversation brought some important voices in Nashville to the podcast for the first time, which is always a good thing. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. question to everybody. Compared to other meetings, it felt to me like this meeting did a better job of thinking integratively in the way that you described, Sven, than, you know, a lot of the other meetings, everything feels like it's kind of stovepiped. You get a session about a fairly narrow element. You have lots of different sessions. Nashtag is a little bit different, and this is different. Mazen Nuruddin. I was going to say that my, my colleagues are at the easel, arrange meetings and all this. Same thing for ASLD. When we try to plan things uh, for ASLD, uh, sometimes you have to be very specific, given the short time for in general for the meeting and the topics covered and the audience as well because in big meetings like this you have to consider the clinical hepatologist all the way to basic science researcher so you have to cover so many things and so many aspects in meetings like Nashtag and this one you get to deeper layers and you start talking about how to advance the field issues that matter you start being provocative you start talking about things that we did not talk about in other meetings or and other studies. So I, I think they nailed it really in this meeting. Congratulations to the organizers. And it was real privilege to be here. Can I go back to the comorbidities? One of the things also that we eventually we need to talk about and we need more data and is the type 2 diabetes and the effect of glycemic control on drugs and if their effect on clinical trials. As you know, right now in all clinical trials, and I think that came from the liver forum or somewhere, that the A1C 9.5 and above is the exclusion criteria for clinical trials. And there is some data now coming from Benal Abdelmalik's group that the type 2 diabetes might affect the placebo group, the maybe severity of the disease, as although you will think it's, yeah, logical, duh, uh, but we need more data on the effect of type 2 diabetes in NASH. And is A1C of 12 and 13 worse for the histology 
as well as response to therapy and all that stuff. And this is, again, unexplored group that we just want to find an effective drug for now. And we're trying to isolate any big outliers that they can affect the disease history, CKD, A1CO14, and all that stuff. So that's back to comorbidities. But as you, to, to, to go back to your comment, the integration was outstanding. Hannes Hockström. Yeah, I very much agree. I think uh, these smaller meetings with, with just a few hundred people are, are more beneficial in terms of communicating with each other and acknowledging some things that are tricky to discuss in the bigger meetings. So I really liked that we also had a session on why some clinical trials have failed. And just incorporating that session is just, um, to me, a sign that the field has matured a little bit, that we are trying to learn from our past lessons and really trying to come up with the best way how to, to design these trials. And, and um, one thing I think we, uh, Manal and Malek, talked a little bit more is that maybe we need to acknowledge that stability of fibrosis, for instance, is perhaps something we should look into more in detail as an outcome. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I can comment on that as well. I think it's, it depends on the disease stage and where you at. And I heard the first person talking about this comment was Scott Friedman the first time. I remember we're all thinking about different aspects, but one of the things, it was probably on this podcast on one of the meetings that we probably don't have to improve cirrhosis at least right away, meaning in terms of fibrosis. We can just stabilize it in the compensated state for a very long time. And that's an initial win as an initial first step versus people that they go on placebo or like not use a useful drugs, they will progress to liver transplant and bad outcomes. So preventing outcomes and the decompensation could be a very attractive, immediate short goal, especially for cirrhotic trials. And I also want to comment on, on, on this session that they explored the failures in the drugs, which I'm going to borrow your terminology. You called it the, the autopsy session. Roger called it that earlier. I think it was very informative. And it just talked about, I think when Stephen Harrison started talking about it, talked about general things, and then he went to salon start tips. So he did a nice summary of the possible causes of failing clinical trials. And I, I would recommend people to go the on demand and look at the slides and, and the breakdown. And then it kept getting better and better. I mean, they were all 10 over 10, but Scott went to into the animal models and talked about it very nicely. And who was this? Th- it's uh, Elizabeth. Uh, so she, she did also outstanding job talking to about uh, Alina Febrenol. So it was an outstanding session as well, which I'm, I'm going to go back to that session and ask a question when I start talking about my session. The more I'm, I'm sitting here, we're opening up. I'm just recalling the rich meeting. So we don't forget at the end, I think we should probably talk about NIT, which is very attractive subject to this podcast, as well as therapeutics. So I gave a talk in the NIT sessions, but I'm going to jump to therapeutics to allow more time for discussion. I think that was a great session. It was started by Vlad on the phase one and two, and then Manal talked about uh, phase three, and Sanyal talked about the cirrhotic trials. So a million things crossed my mind, but I just want to emphasize this is the closest meeting to the recent two announcements, the Akira data, which was presented at this meeting. It was very impressive. Uh, as you guys know, this is histological data from the Harmony study. And I don't know if it was announced already on the episodes or this episode coming, but in the context of this meeting, Nash resolution was achieved, I will call it 75% without fibrosis worsening. The remarkable results actually, that was 41% improvement in fibrosis without Nash worsening and another 41% with both fibrosis improvement and Nash worsening. 
for things. So that was highlighted in, in that session very nicely. And the other one, the autoimmune dual agonist, uh, GLP-1 and glucagon, and uh, they discussed the, uh, there was no biopsy, it was phase 1b, but the amount of the weight loss was significant and the amount of the defattening of the liver or the fat loss within a, a short time, 12 weeks, it was really incredible. So there was a lot of optimism from this meeting. I mean, Arun Sanyapi, and he's very careful with his words and precise. And he shared the optimism that happened, especially recently with two good drugs. This meeting highlighted that very well. I'm going to throw something out there, could be a little bit provocative and maybe open a little bit discussion with others. Manal actually presented very nicely the phase three data. And I stumbled a little bit on Kudit diet. And I was wondering, based on the previous session of why trials can fail, if phase three is the right next step for them or not. She was talking about them going into phase three, if I remember correctly, right? So I was a little bit questioning. Is such an attractive mechanism, GLP-1 and glucagon agonist, enough to justify? Because, I mean, the drug, as you said, it's a multi-system disease. It's a drug that hitting diabetes, obesity, and all this, and has been really attractive. So the question is, I guess, what everyone thinks about that part of the presentation in particular. Sven Frank. I don't know, Marzen, if I captured the question right, because what is going to phase three is already with scotelotide has phase two data. So that's not really the issue, I think. Uh, one of the issues, of course, is the endpoints. That's It's the regulatory framework we, we need to work in. And that framework has been shaped by some hepatologists quite a while ago and is still the framework we need to work with. And if we talk about the many failures, one of, one of the reasons is, of course, that we have very high barrier crude endpoints, missing a lot of granularity. And some of the drugs that have been tested do have some effects, but the effect size is too small to really hit those crude endpoints. What we are seeing now with the encouraging drugs that are coming up is that the effect size is way bigger, mainly because they are really targeting the root cause of the disease, being the metabolic drivers of the disease, They're not just hitting that. It's quite complicated mode of action, but they have a strong impact on that. And probably that's one of the main reasons why that translates into a higher percentages of improvement both in NASH and fibrosis that really makes them hit those crude endpoints. So it's not just about the definition of the endpoints, that's part of the of the issue and, and the lack of granularity there, but it's also the fact that these drugs are more powerful to impact on the root cause of the disease and to translate into larger effect sizes that in those very heterogeneous groups of patients still result in, in significant results. Marcin, are you talking about a development strategy as a marketing or commercialization strategy or are you talking about it as a medical learning strategy or both? I'm talking about drug approval and reaching endpoints in phase three. So I, I guess you answered me what I'm, I was looking for that it's probably justifiable to jump on to phase three if the drug is hitting the root cause and has the drug class has shown more efficacy in across trials. Nevertheless, it seems like the GLP-1 glucagon agonists are not created equally when they address the body as, as total and that has been shown in the amount of weight loss across these drugs in general. So I think what we also learned, and I think Stephen Harrison mentioned that even if we have quite some good preliminary results, there should be a decent phase two before going to phase three. That is also an important lesson learned anyhow, even if results seem to be very promising. Yeah. I thought that was right. The idea that drugs were failing because the phase two was inadequate to teach what you had to learn to get the phase three right was, I think, an important point. And now, back to Roger. 
We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week to discuss some highlights from the EASD and British Liver Association meetings with folks who attended those events. In the meantime, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.